Welcome, everybody, back to a brand new episode of Kaiju Conversation. I am Elijah, your host, who is very desperately tired, joined by my editor and occasional co-host, Mr. Rex. Hello. So, uh, if you guys have been uh, staying tuned or have been listening to us for a while now, you probably are aware that our latest recording was our 1954 Gogeta recording, which ended at 5 o'clock. Well, we are about to beat that with this recording, which is starting (laughs) at (laughs) 5.39. So we're not even done yet, and we've already beaten it. I'm not going to make it through this recording. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> I'm I'm on my fourth bottle of water uh, and my one bowl of ice cream and my few gummies. So like <laughs> I'm I'm as sugared up as I possibly should be. Um, and cheesed up because I had quite a few grilled cheeses before uh, I had to sit in front of a computer for about seven hours. So, mm. feeling great. How are you, Rex? Uh, doing good. <laughs> Minus the uh, fact that we're recording this so late because of uh, reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, I. what time is it for you? It's got to be like, what, eight o'clock? Yeah, eight forty ish. Huh. How how's that? How's recording at eight o'clock at night? Uh I'll leave it at um not it's, preferred. It, it must be nice though. Like you, you well, still compared get, to five thirty AM, yes. You you must be enjoying your eleven hours of sleep. Or however, however long you get, I do not get fun. eleven hours of sleep. <laughs> I don't. Not as bad as you. But... Yeah, I'm gonna get like maybe an hour, maybe we'll see. Or I might just crash and like nothing's gonna wake me up, and then I'm gonna miss everything. We'll find out, and I'll. <laughs> well. Uh, I guess to get things started, uh, what have you watched uh, as of late? As I like to talk about what what tokusatsu we've been looking into. All right, so um, well, I've watched a little bit recently, mostly horror related. Uh, I got, I've, I watched watched Dark Water House, uh, uh, Tokyo Gore Police bunch of horror movies and then uh as well as that valley of guanji and uh our episode's main topic as well and some here and there i gotcha so you listed three horror-esque films i want you to give me a list like best to worst out of those three Ooh, um best to worst out of those three darkwater house and shoot what was it i'll talk here um Ooh, uh, I, I guess I'll say House is best, then Dark Water, then Tokyo Gore Police. Mm-hmm. But I, but I did enjoy all three. I see. That that's I, I haven't seen Tokyo Gore Police yet. Um, I it's, ordered um, crazy to say the I, least. Uh, 
I've seen <laughs> I've seen some of the stuff Media Blasters has posted about it, and uh, I, I I'm of the same opinion. The very same opinion. I uh, I actually speaking of Tokyo Gore Police because I, I I do want to get it, um, but I I am I just recently a few well it's been like two months now, uh, ordered from a new boutique uh, label specializing in Eastern films error four 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 four. I ordered the original film that Tokyo Gore Police was as a short film from the nineties. It was it's like Intomina and Extinction. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, it was a limited one thousand copy run, and I think they sold out now. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, they did. Or now, like, <laughs> like I was really excited because I, I I ordered like I was one of the last people to order it. But it's like, cool, they got all their orders in. I'll get my copy by the end of this week. That was mm. a month ago. So we, I found out oh. um, they, uh, the printer or the distribution, like wh whoever pressed the discs, when they shipped back their last shipment, so probably the last hundred, I'm guessing they did shipments of like a hundred or something. Mm -hmm. The last shipments, all of them were crushed. Like all of the slip covers were damaged, oh. and and so they have to get replacements, and it's like it's taking them forever to get those. So <laughs> I spent like forty dollars, and now I gotta wait. Now it's not on on error, uh, admittedly. Like it's not on them. They they're yeah. not the ones printing it, but they're still kind of the like it's it's kind of annoying. Yeah. Um, that I ordered that and I'm still waiting because I can't because it also comes with, I think, a few short films, like one or two more. Um, so that's really exciting. And then uh, when I do get Tokyo Gore Police, I'm going to get the old release. That's got some more of the short films, which is really exciting. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, what films have you seen otherwise? So. Um, see, it's, it's, I could tell you if I was sitting in front of my, uh, wall of discs, but I'm not, <laughs> they're like 45 minutes away. So <laughs> I'm trying to think here. So I finished the one miss call trilogy. I watched one yeah. miss call two, one miss call final. And I watched the two short tie in films to that. Mm -hmm. Um, trying to think here what else what else did i watch um i've i finished kikaida the tv hmm. series and i watched the 3d tv uh 3d special for kikaida i started kikaida zero one um let me think here um i've been buying a ton of power rangers even though i'm not gonna get to it yet so uh, i don't know like I guess I'm just prepping for whenever I finish Ultraman. Yeah. Uh, trying to, let's see here. I, I'm trying, I, I've got a semi-photographic memory, so I'm trying to think of my my shelf and like picture it in my mind as if I'm looking through it right now to find some stuff I want to watch. And it's really hard. 
<laughs> have I brought up Legend of the Eight Samurai? You have not. Okay, I watched that one. It's an 80s movie from Katakawa. Really good. Really good. I love that film. It's mm. also Isn't got a Hiroyuki really... Isn't Sonata in it? Yes. Yes, he is. It was one of his first roles. He has a baby face. It was... It's awesome. <laughs> um, It's got a great song, too. It's... Uh, I have it on Spotify. It's... It, it it translates to Legend of the Eight Samurai, um, but it, it the lyrics are like I don't want this night. It's like an '80s song, like it's a slow mm. '80s song, like mm. uh, "True" by Spendu Ballet. But it's uh, I don't want this night to end, and like I I really love that song. That was a great film. Ah. Mm. Uh, I, I watched uh, the MST3K version of Godzilla vs. Megalon. I just bought the DVD uh, box set with that. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, listen, I'm, I, I, I get, like, Nathan and Michael, or they like uh, MST3K, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't grow up on it. And... I don't like riffing on stuff, so watching those is like torture for me. I I I've, I can barely now. Admittedly, the Gamera films are a little hard to sit through in general, but I I've only gotten to through two episodes of the Gamera stuff, and there's five of them. <laughs> like it is so hard to sit through that stuff because I don't want to hear people riff on the film, and like for mm. Megalon's case. Like it's it, the whole final fight is literally them acting like it's a wrestling match, and mm. it's like I, I've seen this twenty thousand other times, yeah. And like I, I don't really care at this point. Now, admittedly, mm. it does have the definitive uh, edition of the J- Jaguar song. Uh, <laughs> he jock it made of steel. Eat sushi from a pail. Jet Jaguar. Chet Jaguar. His mother never really loved him. It's, it's great. Please uh, don't touch my bags, Mr. Customs Man. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that edition. It, it, now, I will say, they, they do good songs. It's like the Gamera one. Uh, you know. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. That, well, that's a classic. Yeah, Gamera is really neat. Gamera is full of turtle meat. We love eating Gamera. <laughs> yeah, they, they do a good song and dance, but they do horrible riffs. It's not good. I hate it. Mm. That might be it. That might be. Yeah. I, I don't know. Wait, no. I, I, I have seen other stuff. Um, oh, it was like... Acquire Age, something like that, it's horrible. Whatever it mm. is, it's garbage. Like, it's one of those movies where it's like the JoJo movie. It's like it builds up and builds up, and it's like establishing all of this stuff for this world. And like at the very end, they're ready to like show it all off, and then it comes out, and it's like credits. And you're like, wait, 
I didn't want to see that. I wanted to see whatever this big fight was going to be. And <laughs> and that yeah. was it. I also watched the Takeshi Miike classic uh, Yakuza Apocalypse. Highly recommend that. It's it's oh, a nice. fun film. Fun, very fun. I'm going to be watching Blade of the Immortal on TV soon. I love that film. That is a great movie. The opening was like Yojimbo, and like the entire film, like it's, I, I thought it was great. Hmm. Good to hear. Then again, I apparently have bad taste, but I digress. <laughs> Speaking of bad taste, you know, we've been on a, uh, la- last time we discussed a film we discussed a movie that I absolutely despised, and it was a quickie sequel to a classic monster movie. Um, It had about, what, nine months of production, essentially? Mm. And and the same can be said for the the film we're going to be discussing today. So we'll see if I have uh, more bad things to say about this film than good, like last time. Mm. Um, and and I guess I'll go ahead and say we are today we are discussing 1933's Jamboree, the working title of the film The Son, Son of, of Kong. Kong, not Son of Kong, The Son of Kong. <laughs> now I'm just going to say this now: I didn't like the the middle sequence. So, mm. so I, I can't I can't pull that card out this time like I did for rates again. <laughs> so I guess we'll go ahead and get started with um, how this film came to be um, and kind of the mm-hmm. production. And then we'll talk about its release and and then kind of our history. And then we'll we'll wrap it up with our overall thoughts and uh, we'll we'll get out of here at 7 a.m. Yeah, if we're lucky, we'll see. So, please, (laughs) (laughs) um, as established, we are talking the 1933 quickie sequel, The Son of Kong, directed by uh, Ernest Shodazak, um, starring Robert Armstrong, reprising his role as Carl Denham from the 1933. King Kong, also co-directed by Ernest Shodazak and uh, Marion C. Cooper. Mm. So, I think it's pretty obvious, Rex, like, this film is obviously a cash-in. Yeah, it's just a producer, like, King Kong was a big hit, let's make another to ride off that success as fast as we can. Right, and and I think it even it, it's very obvious in a lot of the how, how they rushed it, but we'll we'll yeah. jump into that. Um, so like when it was coming out, like when they started making it, and I think this is one of my biggest gripes with the film overall is the the screenwriter, um, did not want to make a serious film. Yeah, uh, the screenwriter was like. You can't beat the original, so let's just make a comedy. Yeah, and that's so like 
Yeah. I, I, I find it the odd. Thing, I thought. Apparent from what I could gather, this is like a. It's sort of like a philosophy of writing that's apparently from Broadway plays. I, I, I'm not familiar enough with Broadway plays to really know, but apparently mm-hmm. that's sort of where the idea comes from of that. I see. Yeah, but, like, I wouldn't want to see a, a comedy of Little Shop of Horrors that's already kind of a comedy. Like, I feel like it gets too ridiculous. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily bad to add comedic elements in a sequel. That's fine. But coming off a great movie and just accepting, accepting defeat in the way, in a way, and just sort of going, okay, let's just go. I I don't want to say lower brow, but I guess that's sort of what I'm getting at. Yeah, I mean, I mean, throughout the whole production, like a lot of the people were just like, yeah, we're not going to be better. It is what yeah. it is, and it's like that mentality just kind of ruined. I think the potential of a sequel. Um, yeah. Especially when when we get to the to Willis O'Brien's contributions to this film, and then we we take into consideration what he did later on in life. Like nobody was putting forth effort in this. Well, yeah. I, they were putting forth effort, but like they yeah. were not putting forth the effort not that the right was game. the original. Right yeah, it was very much a B picture to the A mm. original. Yeah, and. Really, the only pers- people who seem to be putting in their all is some of the actors, mainly Robert Armstrong. Right, and that was because Robert Armstrong loved the development that his character got in Son of Kong more so than the yeah. original. Yeah. Which is very interesting, I thought. Yeah. And, but I, I think it also makes sense because I, I looked at the time it's Robert Armstrong, his story for 40 minutes out of 69, essentially. Mm, yeah, that is true. So it, the film is mostly a drama adventure than it is an adventure, you know, straight yeah. up an adventure. It's, it follows Robert Armstrong a lot. And yeah. I really found that part interesting. Yeah, we don't we don't get to Skull Island or see any sort of monster until a fair until over the halfway point at about 40, 45 minutes ish. Mm-hmm. And considering like and actually I think this is a interesting film to bring up when when addressing because there is a discussion going on right now about you know a monster movie without humans mm. and and here's an example of a monster movie or a kong movie however you want to call it where the humans take up literally the entire runtime and barely do you see a monster or 
creature on screen by itself. Yeah. Yeah, most, I mean, even most of the sequences with uh, the, the titular Son of Kong, there's almost all the shots are of him with uh, Robert Armstrong and uh, the lead actress. Right, right. And and it's so, it's really weird. And and I, I want to jump into this a little bit more um, later. But I find yeah. it really interesting that this is the film that has been talked about being remade as of late after a certain GVK. Yeah. Uh, and and it's interesting considering that aspect of the original. And we'll get into that um, towards the end of the episode. But that that's really interesting mm. to be yeah. considered. Um, I also was looking through this and like the budget was a lot smaller. Then yeah, I couldn't find any. I couldn't find any exact figures, but I could. But I did. From what I could gather, it was. It was much smaller than the original King Kong, and the and the the box office itself wasn't as strong as King Kong's either. Well, it mm-hmm. did profit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the numbers I got were $269,000 for a budget. It made $616,000, so it had yeah. a profit of one hundred and thirty-three. So yeah. it, it didn't even do like two times better. It was like 1.25% yeah. better than its budget. So not a huge hit. It was modest. Yeah, you know, but not they, a failure either. Right, right. Um, even though it did, uh, or we'll we'll get into that. So it it had a smaller budget, and due to the smaller budget, uh, there was I I, I was apparently there was a scene or a, a few scenes. There's supposed to be a ton of dinosaurs, yeah, and even tribal war, but yeah, all yeah, of that yeah, yeah. got scrapped because they couldn't afford it. Yeah, that was supposed to be a whole uh, stampede that was going to. Uh, link to the um, the earthquake and or cyclone that destroys Skull Island at the end of the movie. And I mm-hmm. think there were going to be some more some more carnivorous dinosaurs, I believe, some theropods. Might be yeah. wrong in that. Yeah, and I know there was plans to use some models from uh, O'Brien's creation uh, in mm. the film, and I think they even did um, one or two yeah. of them. Well, the yeah. thing is that, I, to my understanding, some models from creation were used in the original King Kong, mm-hmm. and those models were some of those models were reused in Son of Kong. Right, and and or even the uh, the even the long face armature for King Kong that was re- yeah. reused for for, uh, for Kiko. Kiko, yeah, and and of course they painted him white which i i do find it very interesting that they gave him a uh albino look hmm. compared to his father i mean it's it, it's a good it's i i like it that it makes him at least stand out compared to king kong so mm-hmm. like you can clearly tell the difference in this in between these two black and white films Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and I think 
Because the original King Kong was very tragic and kind of a sad character, whereas uh, Kiko was more of a friendly, happy, comedic character. And I, and I think it's he's a almost good... like a pet in some scenes. Yeah, yeah. Even though he's barely in it, like his, the son yeah. of Kong is barely the son of Kong. Yeah, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But it's, it, it, you know, it, it's, but it feels, this movie feels like things just happen mm-hmm. without much flow or relation to one another. So like we're on to just scene after scene of, uh, Carl Demnum or Hilda or the other characters, and then we go to Scholar. And those scenes sort of flow together, but I think once it's we're on Skull Island, it's kind of just things happening. Right, right. Because, and honestly, like, it, at that point, it, I wonder if it was a scheduling problem, but, like... The- I, I think it was budget. I think it was just they had to scale, or budget and time, just because they had to scale back on some of the more elaborate sequences, like the stampede. I gotcha. But what I was going to get at was uh, the characters, like Charlie, the captain, and and uh, Hellstrom, like, disappear. Yeah, yeah, that was something I noticed too, where it's like, uh, they, they have the scene with, the brief scene with the Styracosaurus, and then they mm-hmm. disappear for almost the rest of the movie. Up until the end. Right. And it, it's really jarring because it's like, okay, wasn't wasn't the captain one of the people we were following on this journey? Yeah. Isn't isn't Hellstrom meant to be like a uh, sort of bad guy in this movie? Yeah, like there's no villain. I like mean, he he kind of is the villain and he gets like a villain's comeuppance at the end. But again, it's just kind of something that happens. He gets... Yeah. He just doesn't get focused on in the latter half of the film at all. Like, he doesn't do anything at all in the latter half of the film, really. Right. He just and, gets and, killed. And, like, he... He doesn't show up until halfway through the film, either. And, well, and no, he appears... Uh... Cause, cause there's a whole sequence in New York, and then there's the journey, and then there's uh, denim. Yeah, like it, he he doesn't show up until I would argue probably the twenty five thirty minute mark. Yeah, somewhere around that. Yeah. So like you're already almost halfway through the film, and no, your I, main villain's I, not there. Like it's so weird. Yeah. It makes it's me odd. <laughs> yeah, the 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 writer for it. I I think it was the first draft. I I honestly believe it I does feel like they a rushed first draft actually. Yeah, like they had nine months, nine months after the original came out, so that's including promoting it and even starting production. Yeah. So like, they had no time. And yeah. that stop motion definitely took a month. Mm. You know, oh, so, probably longer. 
uh, I don't know because the, the quality of it, I I, I feel like throughout yeah, the it, film, it's definitely taken a dip uh, or a noticeable decline. But there are a couple scenes where it, it's not as good as the original, but it looks better than other scenes in the film. Right. Like I'd say the cave bear fight is a thousand times better than uh, the the lizard thing, the Nothosaurus or whatever it was called. Yeah. Yeah. I I would agree with that. But even mm. like there there I think it was with I think it was with the bear. Like there were some moments where the bear would just like move across the screen, like in, yeah. in one frame. And yeah, I noticed like a wire or something on Kiko that would disappear mm-hmm. between certain frames. But even then, like, and and to kind of defend it, Wills O'Brien didn't actually do most of the stop motion for this film, even though he's credited. Because hmm. um, he, he quite often did not show up. And one of the other people, there's three people credited. One of the other two would do the stop motion. Um, and even, eventually it got to the point where O'Brien requested to be removed from the film. Like he didn't want any credit for it, but really? he still got top billing from Damn. what I could find. Damn. I mean, O'Brien hates this film. <laughs> like, so it was rushed. And he he had a love for King Kong, so yeah. so that hurt. He and the reason he didn't show up was because Shodazak was very hands on with the special effects, so he couldn't mm. do what he wanted to do. So he felt like he was being controlled. He felt like he was being rushed. And on top of that, during the production, Will O'Brien's wife shot their two sons and yeah. tried to kill herself, and yeah. like. He never talked about this film. Like, it gave him PTSD. Yeah. Like, the man probably had a second Great Depression from this. Like, the amount of pain he went through yeah, is tremendous. Hmm. Which, I, I, Ray Harryhausen apparently, like, often asked O'Brien questions. But, like, it, it was too hard for him to remember because of all the pain he went through during it. Mm. But, yeah, it just... The, the stop motion and, and the monsters, you know, they're, they're all right. But, honestly, yeah, it's, I... I it's watchable. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's nowhere near as good as... The original King Kong, or even I'd say Lost World is better. I I would agree. the The film reeks of rushed. Yeah, and and the stop motion department is where I think it suffers the most. Even though I think the writing also is the other big problem, and and even uh like the like everybody remembers the the Triceratops in thirty three. They remember the uh, Dilophosaurus in 33, the Maneater in 33, King Kong, of course. I forgot that there were 
Yeah, I forgot that there was. I all I remembered was uh, Kiko and the bear. Hmm. Like I, I, I forgot that the others even existed. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, I didn't really know because honestly, I had never seen this film before. It's one of a few King Kong movies I still had yet to see. Hmm. Interesting. But like, yeah, it it wasn't much. It it didn't pack the punch. Yeah, that, that it needed to. Yeah, and it's it, what's even in this is kind of a to put on its uh, a good thing. You know, I've been complaining for a while, trying to put something good here. The some of the match shots were so well done. One of them was actually reused for Citizen Kane. Huh. Um, where some uh, pteranodons are like flying over an island. I guess they reused some of that mat um, for Citizen Kane for one of the shots, which I found really interesting. Because hmm. there's another film that the King Kong duology of 33 um that's like legendary upon you know in in the cinephiles uh yeah. that reused uh king kong stuff the other would be the the wall was reused for the most dangerous game i believe it was hmm. uh, from the original 33 film um hmm. which i found really interesting yeah i mean the original king kong itself was a film that um brought about some that had to try out some new techniques to achieve what they wanted uh with compositing rear projection and uh i don't remember what it's called but the technique where um they would project the clips of the actors behind the stop motion and do that frame by frame but there were some creative yeah. techniques used on the original king kong and i'm and they definitely re, uh, repurpose some of those ideas for this film. Right. But even then, a, a few of the sets, like there was one set where it was the lead female character and Robert Denham. And like they walk in and it, it's like a corner shot. And you can see mm. on the wall, there's a little outline of probably what is a wall. And <laughs> yeah, it's like they're just standing in front of a wall. Like it, it, it didn't look that good. And and I think quite a few of the the sets look pretty bad. I, I wouldn't be surprised if some were reused from King Kong, but a few, quite a few of those definitely were made on the fly. Yeah. yeah. Like like most of the rest of. The <laughs> yeah yeah um speaking of on the fly so one of the biggest things about the original king kong was it was the first film to have a soundtrack that went mm. with the film son yeah. of kong kind of does it i mean it has this it, it has music but it's... it wasn't matched yeah and it 
it doesn't stand out as much as the music in the original King Kong either. Right, right. It's very basic. It, honestly, most of it sounded just like, oh, okay, cool. This sounds like it was taken from one of the B tracks of King Kong. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because, like, obviously, you know, Kong's theme is memorable from the original. Um, and then you've got, uh, for me, the when, when we see the native chief and he walks, how the, 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 the music lined up perfectly with him walking. Mm. Like, that was a big thing because they had never done a, you know, a matching up of the music to the shot. And yeah. I, I remembered that this film didn't really do that. Hmm. It kind of did it, but it was, I, I don't know. It just, it didn't feel the same. Yeah. It's just, it, it feels like it's there for the sake of being there because the original had it there. Mm-hmm. And it's stuff like that where I feel like it was a poor attempt of redoing the original. And and I think yeah. Like, yeah, at the very end, like the way they kill Kiko is very like, oh, OK. Yeah, it, it just happened. It's like the eye, like I, I think my issue with my big issue with um most pretty much the entirety of skull island in this movie and anything that happens there is the fact that there's little to no build-up for anything it mm -hmm. just happens like oh there's we we meet kiko no build-up or anything oh mm -hmm. there's a bear let's fight it and then like even at the end when the uh uh what's his name Hellstrom goes on the boat Oh, there's a there's like a plesiosaur or something, and it kills him. Mm -hmm. And then, then, and then the island just there's an earthquake, <laughs> and it just goes down. <laughs> Good thing they didn't show up like a day or two later. Yeah, and, and uh, even like the natives, like they were a huge component of the original, and you know we and get like just there for one yeah. scene. Yeah, we get like eight of them, and we get a return of the the native uh, leader, and they're like, oh, <laughs> "Bye, we're gonna go around the island." Go away. Yeah, it's like, what? Like <clears throat> you're you're dodging every plot point that'll make you spend more than a hundred dollars. Yeah. God, even the last dinosaur knew how to have some sort of setup and payoff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, The Last Dinosaur is on a whole nother level compared to this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and one thing to, to uh, since we're talking about the characters a bit here with the natives, um, it was cool to see the native island chief come back. Mm. Um, but honestly, my favorite was Charlie. Yeah, I I love Charlie. Like he has a a a little charm that makes him my favorite character. Yeah, he got he got a couple laughs out of me at a few points. Yeah, 
It wasn't uh, the standout, but he he definitely had his moments. But what sucks is, so in the original, he was credited as Charlie. I think it was Charlie the chef. Hmm. But in this film, he's credited as Chinese cook. Huh. And like, they say his name plenty of times. It's Charlie. Hmm. Why are you crediting him as Chinese cook? I, I hate that. I, I think that was. I mean, the, I mean, the thing is, like, some of the character. It's like I thought um, the Captain Anglehorn. I thought his name. I think his name was. Yes. I, yes. I thought his name was Skipper at first. Now, granted, that's he's being called that because he's a skipper. But I, at first, I thought, oh, that's just his name. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's it's like why if you're gonna put credits, why not get put them you know put the real names that is and in then, the um, film. Hilda is never called Hilda in the film. That's <laughs> true. Uh, uh, Denim only refers to him as Kid yeah. or her. Yeah, her and kid. her father calls her like Helen or something. I think something like that. Maybe. Maybe. And see, like, her father's death was really quick, too. Yeah, that's just another thing that happens. Like, it's... I, I, I get its purpose is to establish um, Hellstrom as a villain, but that's such an inconsequential subplot in the movie. Yeah. The closest thing it gets to a to any sort of payoff is that... He's thrown off the ship to Skull Island, and he gets eaten by the plesiosaur at the end. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. There, there's not anything to give him. Like it is, it's very, very minimal. Yeah, and yeah, it's just they. I, I don't think the characters... I, I'm surprised Robert Armstrong liked his character development because, like, nobody else gets anything in that film. Yeah. And, I mean, really, most... A, a, a lot of, like, his... Or at least the most interesting bit is him responding to... Um the aftermath of the original King Kong. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, there isn't too much to it. There's a bit of a development between him and a relationship with uh, Hilda, but there isn't too much outside of that. And his, well, I guess he is trying to redeem himself for um, being responsible for King Kong's death, but then Kiko dies. <laughs> um. Yeah, and, and like, what? I, I so so he, here's Robert. Uh, this is Carl Denham's uh, redemption arc. After King Kong dies, he runs away from the law and everybody he's hurt to go and work on ships and leave his past life behind, only to end up on Skull Island again, 
and steal the treasure that's on the island for himself. Yeah. <laughs> and while leaving, he kills Kong's son and everybody else that's on that island, even though it wasn't him, it was an earthquake, but, <laughs> you know, people still die. Kiko yeah, dies saving natives him. Dead. All those natives are dead. Yeah. Um... Uh, Hellstrom dies, even though he deserved it. He still dies. Mm. And they go back, and he's presumably able to pay off all of his debts. And Yeah. Like, if that's a redemption arc, that is the most, like, backhanded redemption, redemption arc I have ever watched. Yeah. The man steals and hides and lies to get what he needs to get out of something. <laughs> I guess that is like the entertainment industry, but like, <laughs> yeah, that uh, it's not a good, not a good story. First draft people. Yeah. So yeah. It, I, I would not I would I would not put that as a good arc, but apparently it was good somehow. Mm. I will say he did have more like he acted more down to earth in it. I did notice mm. that. Yeah. Because like he's like, it'll be up on lights in Broadway. King Kong, the eighth wonder of the world. And here he's like I killed King Kong. And yeah. tons of people were, you know, put through problems. Yeah. So. Hmm. I'll give him that. He was less of a showman and more of a... Yeah. Washed up uh, entertainment. Hmm. Uh, and he's at least m memorable, I'd say, still. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's Robert Armstrong. His presence yeah. is the film. Yeah, like, the only other character who was slightly memorable was Hellstrom. But even then, his I, character is just so underbaked that I'll pr probably forget him in, like, a day or two. Honestly, I'd put Charlie above all of them. Charlie and Carl Denham. But uh, see, both of them were in the original too, so like they had two films yeah. established themselves, and the yeah. and and the skipper. But hmm. you know, he disappears. It kind he kind of disappears in both films, to be honest. Hmm. I mean, Charlie disappeared with the skipper. To be fair, in this one, yeah, but Charlie had some funny stuff. No, I don't want to be on the boat. I don't like them. And then that laugh he gives at a couple points. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, the film's a little dated. Um, to be to be fair. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's not. I I don't think the respect is given as much as in the original, but I don't think there's anything too horribly bad in this yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
I we we've kind of I think there's not a lot about this film known. Like I couldn't find yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, I struggled to find much. Um I I I did f- read a little bit about like an unmade uh f- third film that was an idea that they had to sort of have like a film that would have been in between events of the original King Kong, mm-hmm. like in between transporting him to New York. Mm-hmm. What was that going to well, be? Uh, apparently, there, it was going to... I'm not quite sure of all the details, but apparently there was going to be some sort of adventure to... An, I think it was another island. I, I don't know if it was still on... If It might have been them trying to get him onto the boat or they had to take a detour to another island but I I, I know there were dinosaurs in it and there was going to be some cool fights I guess presumably I see but otherwise I couldn't find too much else on that either hmm interesting um but the only other thing I've got is once the film came out as we established at the beginning of the episode it did well, but like it received very mixed reviews. People did not care for it a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was very kind of like middle of the road when it came to its overall like reception. And yeah. I think that was from both the critical and you know audience side. I mean, really, this this it, it comes off like one of the most well well-known movies in pop culture mm-hmm. uh, a film that i'd argue is one of the most important in just establishing pop culture in general and yet you never hear anyone talk of it really right and there isn't and, much of a legacy to it at all right and actually that that segues perfectly into the the next part I was going to bring up. I talked to a few people before uh, doing uh, this episode, and a lot of people didn't even know Son of Kong existed. Hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, I I only knew of, I only discovered it was a film, like, maybe two, three years ago. But, like, I had... Like I was made aware of the Ho-Ho films and the um, Dino, both Dino De Laurentiis films long before Son of Kong. Right. Yeah, there is like not like the the releases of this film are very bare bone. Like they're not putting forth a ton of effort. Yeah. Put this film out. Um, nobody's really recognized it for anything, and um, no, and not many. No one's really t- t- put much of an effort in to sort of learn to sort of find out and publicize things about the the making of the film. Really, right? It, I mean, this to is... be fair, I, I guess that really most of what you could say on how Son of Kong was made would probably, at least in terms of the special effects, be kind of repeat 
repeating what you could say on the original King Kong, I guess. Sure. Just on a lesser scale. Sure. But but even then, like, and, and this is, a, I'm going to recall back to my uh, reference to Godzilla Raids again. That film also suffers from a lack of scholarly sure. writing. And, and I find it very interesting that both of these quickie sequels... I mean, the thing is, the thing is, at least in Raid Again's case, there are a lot of... that. It's Currently, it's more of an issue with the Western sure. fandom. Sure. Whereas there are Japanese special effects books that do presumably go into more detail. Sure. But even then, it's still like it's very interesting that both of these films have a lesser, and, yeah. and they're they're very much viewed lesser than their the the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they kind of have a lot of parallels, if you will, sort of like like the nine month production being considerable step downs, repeating certain things, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Having like one or two returning characters, but the rest of the cast being completely original, etc. Right. Yeah, it's very interesting. And and the legacy of Son of Kong has been very minimal. Yeah. Um, I mean it's it's God, at least Raids again gets the credit of being the first Godzilla movie with a fight. <laughs> right. Son of Kong nothing for the Kong brand. It established nothing. Warner didn't do another monkey film until 1949's Mighty Joe Young. Yeah. Like, the, the it did nothing for the film. Um, mm. When Laserdisc and VHS came around, like, ton, like, King Kong 33 had a colorization. It had a Criterion Laserdisc. It had tons of stuff. Son of Kong was left to rot. Does Son of Kong even have a Blu-ray? Yes, Son of Kong has okay. a Blu-ray. Okay, um, good. But it's it, you know, it's just an HD showing of the remaster they did during the time around when they did King Kong. Yeah, and all it has on it is the trailer, which I might add, the trailer spoils everything. Like it shows the earthquake. It shows. Yeah, but that's kind of just a. That's just kind of how a lot of. Uh, older movie trailers are sure but like you could watch the two minute trailer and you get everything from the film that yeah people talk about pretty much yeah. <laughs> probably more than they talk about possibly <laughs> but yeah it, it's it's barely feature length like it's 69 minutes that that's yeah that's, 65 is feature length, if I remember correctly. So, like, it, I, I it's. I thought it was 120. It was. Uh, one, the mm. Most films aren't not even two oh, hours. Wait, no, sorry, sorry. I meant 80 minutes. 80 minutes ah, is what uh, I meant. I mean, maybe. Maybe. I'm not sure. Because 80 like, minutes yeah. is a number I always heard. I see. Yeah, it's. Bare minimum. The film's bare minimum, and even in its legacy, like people, so if you know Kong and you have done some homework, you know of its existence. But if you don't, you're not going to know what it is. Yeah. Uh, 
you have to go out of your way to sort of find this film, really. Right. So speaking of that, uh, I always like, you know, talking about our history with this film. Do I think you pretty much said it earlier, but do you have any history with this film? No, honestly, I, 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 I knew it exists. I found out it existed a couple years ago. I don't remember how or where. I just one day I didn't know, no, um, and then sometime later, oh, yeah, there's this movie called Son of Kong. It's the sequel to King Kong. I see. Yeah, monkey is white, and that's all I know about it. (laughs) (laughs) The monkey is white. (laughs) That that's a sentence. (laughs) Yeah, my 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 history is pretty much like I, I I did a little research on King Kong, and I found out it existed, and then. I found a DVD on Amazon and I bought it and I still have that DVD. And recently I got a Blu-ray because I bought a person's collection and that was included in it. And that's, that's pretty much like I, I, I I haven't watched the film in years when for this episode, like this was the first time I revisited it. Yeah. Uh, Now, like there were moments like uh, the, the old guy that says, uh, Rags, bones, like I remember that guy, but I I didn't remember anything else about the film really. Yeah, or or like a uh, rotten captain. I remembered that, uh, <laughs> but like yeah, it was. I <laughs> besides the drunk people, I didn't remember much about this film. So yeah, my history's bare minimum. Uh, I I don't really talk about this film. I don't care about this film that too much. Yeah. Um. And and that's the same for pretty much everywhere else. Um. After King Kong O Five came out, uh, there you know people are like, is he going to do a sequel? Which King Kong O Five was one of the most expensive films of the two thousands. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, apparently they did do like an April Fool's Day prank where yes. they. He said he, they were going to make a Son of Kong remake. Yeah, so they made the logo, and, like, Peter Jackson took a photo of what was supposed to be, like, the script in, like, 2007 or 8. Mm. And it was like, hey, we're doing this, and it was a joke. It was it was 100% a joke. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, we later found out that there was development on a King Kong sequel. Yeah. Uh, which... With Eventually. a certain individual. <laughs> yeah. And and then that film got canned, and then Warner Brothers got Jordan Vogue Roberts to do a, a, a public domain King Kong film with Kong. Um, mm. And then, you know, that got a sequel called Godzilla vs. Kong. And, Unfortunately. And then after that, there was a rumor from The Hollywood Reporter of Adam Wingard coming back to do a Kong sequel called son of kong even yeah. though he's busy for like the next five years and people are and, ignore and that i guess just a rumor it's just a yeah rumor something an idea that's been thrown around like even if even if the monster does continue 
it's not a real guarantee that it'll go in the direction in that direction. Right. And, and uh, this was a good point. A friend of mine pointed out. Why would Warner Brothers do a film titled Son of Kong? That's a remake of the original Son of Kong. Even though the original did not do well financially, did not do well critically, was made into a April Fool's joke for a sequel to Peter Jackson's King Kong, which is as famous, I would argue, as the original at this point. Yeah. Um, and the sequel to that film got canned for a reboot. Like, the tides are against a Son of Kong remake. Why yeah. would Warner do that? There's nothing it, suggesting that it'd be a good idea. Like, the only reason I can see would be, like, from a story perspective, I can see... I can understand why you'd have Kong given how, like, they constantly mentioned how his family's dead and how he's looking for a family and all that and how she is his only family. It would make sense to take that into the direction of giving him a son from that, from, like, a writing point of view. But from an investment point of view, it doesn't really make sense given, you know, Son of Kong is not a well-remembered film. Right. At all. And plus, if they don't drown him at the end of the film, like, what's the point? You gotta drown him. <laughs> uh, I joke, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, maybe. I, I, don't, I, I don't. I don't think the film. I don't think a son of Kong is is a good idea. You, after all these years, um, yeah. Which that that uh, I feel like we like ran through that very well but we've been recording now for about an hour Oof. so I guess we'll go ahead and start to wrap up here with an hour just like the movie this episode is barely feature length yeah I my my <laughs> goal so my goal was to have it under the runtime of the film because we barely go over the runtime of films yeah uh, so I'm like can we do 65 minutes? You know, <laughs> and we're almost there. We're, we're almost there. So yeah. uh, let's go ahead and wrap things up here with our overall thoughts. Um, there's been a ton of complaints. So if you want to go ahead and give your overall thoughts in a five out of five star rating, that would be lovely. Uh, so my thoughts on Sonic Kong is that it is a... Rushed is a very messy and rushed film that isn't egregiously awful. Uh, it's it's mercifully short. It is the sixty nine minute runtime is mercifully short, and I I can see myself watching it in the future, but I don't see myself actively caring to that much. Mm -hmm. So I'd give it like one and a half or two out of five, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a first draft film. That plain and simple is it's a first draft film. Um, hmm. it's rushed, it's lacking, it's it's 
pretty much everything a King Kong movie should not be. Um, it, it's it's very poor in its uh, overall presentation. The the best part is Carl Denham because I, he he was an interesting character. I think in all adaptations, Carl Denham is an interesting character. Yeah, because he's almost a satire on the entertainment industry that you know is making him. Yeah, and like that's the that's the coolest part. I, I don't I don't really have I this the stop motion's mediocre. Um, and I do like that uh, as well, I'll just interject that I do like that. Um, we get to see how he is responding to the ending of King Kong. It's not great, but it is nice to see it at least. Yeah, yeah. But like it's not it's not anything special, I think. Yeah. Overall, yeah. like the film in general. So like honestly, I I'd, I'd give it 1 out of 5. Like it, <laughs> it's nothing special. Um and I I just remembered I wanted to touch on this, so I'm going to try and make it quick. We'll see. So I brought up at the be uh, beginning that this film is mainly human characters. Barely do we have any moments where the monsters are by themselves. Well, director Adam Wingard of Godzilla vs. Kong uh, said he wanted to do one mainly, if not entirely, with, you know, monsters. Barely humans. And he is in the rumored uh, running for the rumored Son of Kong remake from Warner. Mm. And it would be... I It would be definitely interesting. I'd be interested in seeing what uh, Wingard would do. But if he did that, it'd be flipping Son of Kong on its head, essentially, <laughs> the original. Yeah. Know, based in on human characters now based on the Son of Kong, I, I, I would... That would be a very interesting contrast that I don't yeah. know if I'm entirely down for. Yeah. I don't know. It's just... I'm not for this idea of, let's just make these movies all about the monsters, you know? Right. I'm, I'm not all for that idea. I think a lot of... Because I enjoy quite a bit of horror movies. A lot of my favorite horror movies are the ones where the villain is memorable because they're not seen often. Like Alien. The Alien's only in that movie for three minutes, and that is one of my favorite movies of all time. You know? Mm -hmm. Matango, for a Toho example. That... The mushroom people in that are barely in it at all. Right. But they're very memorable. Right. You know, this, uh, I don't want to cut you off, but this would be a great discussion for like next month's roundtable. <laughs> like kaiju uh, for or against only films. That, that'd yeah. be an interesting discussion to have. Yeah. Um, we're also like two minutes away, I think, uh, two or three minutes away from that 70 minutes. So 
Uh, I want to. I, I'm trying. We'll see if it I, stays like that in the editing. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see. I, it's very quick and snappy. There's a few minutes maybe trimmed, but but yeah, very little. So Rex, if you want to go ahead and link yourself and promote people or promote yourself and let people know where <laughs> you can, they can find you. All right. Well, I am Rexino. I have a YouTube channel that is Rexino at about 800 or so subscribers somehow. I don't upload often, but occasionally, you know, every once in a while. Uh, I have a Twitter, Rex under, at Rex underscore Xenomorph, Instagram, Rex underscore Xeno. I have a blog site, thatkaijublog.wordpress.com, where I did an interview with Alan Maxson uh, at the start of the year. And I've recently become a staff writer for the Tokusatsu Network. So you can sort of, it's mostly just reporting some news, but I did write an article about the history of Eiji Sibiraya recently. So if you're interested in that, feel free to check that out. Awesome. And I'm Elijah, the host of Kaiju Conversation. I have a YouTube channel at ET13 Productions. I don't upload very often, if at all, uh, but I'm hoping to eventually change that, though uh, soon uh, work will have uh, be having me really work heavy in our marketing, so I'm probably not going to be doing anything for a few months as I got to prep for that and do the that production. Um, also have a Twitter at ET13 Productions or at E as an Elephant Thomas 1975. If you want to hear what is in the mind of a very sleep deprived individual. <laughs> I also have a Instagram at ET13 Productions where I typically used to post uh, kaiju uh, figure photography, but due to my phone really being garbage. I can't really take good photos anymore, so I need to get a new phone uh, to properly do that. But if you want to check this out, uh, I would greatly appreciate it, and eventually I'll be doing more stuff. Uh, but as for the podcast, uh, recently we did re uh, receive some one-star reviews without any context, so I can only guess some people are a little upset with us. But if you guys could leave us a five-star review, that would be awesome. It boosts our ratings and helps us get recommended to more people just like you. Uh, actually, let me grab it. We do have a five-star review that recently came in. Uh, this is very unprofessional. I should have had this ready, but I will pull it up right now uh, as I get emails when, when this happens. So, so we have a five-star review. Let me see. Here we go. So the title is Amazing Podcast for Kaiju Fans. Five stars. Each episode is extremely informative and fun to listen to. This comes from Mike DeRassler via Apple Podcasts. So thank you, Mike, for your five-star review. We greatly appreciate it, and it's awesome to hear that uh, we are fun to listen to, as most of the time... Due to some people, we record very late, and, and it's really hard. To... <laughs> what? what? I, <laughs> I'm not pointing fingers, I swear. 
I swear, not pointing I, I, fingers. I, I feel like I'm being targeted here. <laughs> You're the one that just said, I didn't say anything. You're the one telling the viewers that you make me stay up very late. But if you're still listening and you don't have an Apple device, I don't blame you, I don't, you can tweet us and follow us on Twitter at K-A-I-J-U underscore C-O-N-V-E-R-S. If you don't have either of those, you can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram and leave a review that way. If you're like me, before podcasting, you don't have any social media, kind of lucky you, you can email us at kaijuconversation at gmail.com all lowercase, all one word, you know the drill. And as always, we'll read your reviews, like Mike's review, for everybody to hear, as we greatly appreciate those five-star reviews. We also have merchandise on Teespring, if you'd like to wear our beautiful logo in all of its kaiju glory. Uh, eventually we'll have some other art, but none planned as of currently. If you'd like to chat with me, or Rex, one-on-one, or hear our opinions on different subjects, or other people just like you, join our Discord server. Plenty of discussion, uh, a bit not at 7am, as most people are probably sleeping, lucky them, <laughs> but you know what? Still a lot of fun. A lot of fun voice calls, a lot of fun discussions. Yeah. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you can be notified anytime we upload. We do have a, a monthly a, a monthly episode that is exclusive to YouTube. We have uh, this month our Toku Fandom Tales, which is a 10-minute interview with somebody from our Discord server where they get to uh, express their love for kaiju and show off how everybody is in this diverse community. And then next month... So it's it's a pattern every other month. Next month, we have a Kaiju Roundtable discussion where we have topics and we have four people on to discuss them. And again, that's from our Discord server. So if you want to get in those, it's a great opportunity. A huge thanks to Rex for editing these episodes. It is greatly appreciated, and all of his links can be found in the description below in a link tree, as can mine and the podcast's. So thank you, Rex, even though you ruined my sleep for tonight, or this morning, <laughs> uh, this day. It's, there's sunlight. Uh, you're, uh, what can I say except you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Very funny, very funny. <laughs> um, And with that, we'll go ahead and wrap things up here. So thank you guys so much for listening. And please remember, life's too short to not talk big. Bye, guys. Bye.